Hello and welcome to the Nature Unplugged podcast, where we are all about cultivating consciousness in the digital age. Let's get going. Awesome. Well, welcome to the Nature Unplugged podcast. Super excited for this for the show today. We're going to be talking with John Tukoff, founder of At Play Occupational Therapy Services, uh, and talking about the you know the power of play and the importance of movement. Welcome, John Tu. Thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. So before we jump into it, I'm going to just give people a background of you know who you are. And so okay. read your bio. You ready for this? Okay. Yes. John Tukoff is a licensed and registered occupational therapist who received her master's in science from Columbia University. She founded At Play Occupational Therapy Services in 2013. John Tu has worked in the home, school, and clinical settings for over 12 years. Her therapy practice uses a holistic approach by treating the whole family to ensure carryover in the home. You'll often find John Tu at a variety of school sites collaborating with the child's educational team. John Tu is, is it SIPT? Yes. SIPT, Sensory Integration Praxis Test, certified and trained in feeding. She's a member of the American Occupational Therapy Association and is registered with the National Board for Certification of Occupational Therapy. John Tu... So pumped to have you. Welcome. <laughs> Thank a... you. Cool. Well, I just wanted to start with uh, if you could just share like a little bit about like your background, where you grew up, and you know, how you got into this work. Yeah. So I actually grew up in Northern California, um, and I ended up in Hawaii. So I graduated from University of Hawaii, and then um, went to graduate school out in New York City. So I've lived in some pretty amazing places. Um, And then we transitioned here to San Diego in 2011. And and it's been really wonderful. We've got two girls, they're 10 and 13. And um, I've been married to my husband Gabe for 18 years. So we've been sort of moving around together. Yeah, (laughs) Um, And so I got into this work really, I was working after undergrad um, at an advertising and marketing agency um, called Firefly Digital. They actually were one of the first agencies to do websites for big companies. And my favorite clients were the pro bono clients, um, the Contemporary Art Museum of Honolulu and, and Child and Family Services of Hawaii. And I found that working with these clients, um, I really wanted to go to work every day and have some impact on someone's life. And so I wanted to go to graduate school anyways, and I I sort of started to look at different healthcare careers. Um, And so I had to sort of take what I had done in undergrad already, though, and apply it to graduate school. Um, And so Occupational therapy sort of struck me as that occupation that 
you you know would allow you to work in a variety of settings and so I thought that would fit my personality because I do like trying new things yeah. and so um, it allows you to work you know with infants all the way up into to geriatrics yeah um, you can work in a variety of settings uh, you could be in private practice like I am now or work in the schools um, so it just really really struck me as a job that I could have over my lifetime and a job that would hold my interest really (laughs) and allow me to challenge myself. Um, And so that's kind of how I got into, into being an OT. Cool. And then you, you touched on this, but for, for people that maybe never heard of occupational therapy or don't know too much Mm -hmm. about it, it's, it's a broad sort of field, right? Very broad. So ideally, you know, most people that when when we were in OT school, I would say more than half of my class was looking to go into physical disabilities. So okay. working in stroke rehab, um, working more in that hospital clinical setting. And then there was a bunch of us that wanted to do pediatrics. So work at schools or work in a private clinic right. um, that was focused on disabilities and or children with disabilities. Um, and so, and then you had just a few that went into geriatrics. Mm. And the nice thing about OT is that when you're in school, you rotate through all of these um, sort of sectors. So right. um, I actually was on a mental health clinic rotation um, at Mount Sinai, or um, Cedar Sinai, no, Mount Sinai Hospital, yeah, yeah. Okay. I guess, in New York. New York, yeah. And, um, and I was in a, um, in a mental health clinic, in a psych unit. And that was so interesting to me. In fact, I remember thinking maybe I should not do pediatrics and I should go into mental health. Mm. And what's been nice about being in pediatrics is with so many disabilities that children have, you really do need to understand the mental health piece um, because a lot of children that have disabilities also have depression and anxiety. And so it's been great because I've been able to tap into that interest of mental health, but still work with kiddos that I love to work with. So yeah. yeah. Okay. That's really cool. That's Mm -hmm. really cool. And it sounds like kind of like medical school. You got like a little piece of everything, a lot of different stuff. And that's helpful, I'm sure, in whatever you focus on. So can you tell us a little bit about about At Play and the work you do and and yeah, just what that's all about? So it was always a dream of mine to start a private practice. And um, when I got out of school, I actually had a scholarship from the New York City Department of Education. So I had a commitment to work with them for three years. Mm. So I worked there and I did um, early intervention in low income neighborhoods, but always had this idea of having my own practice. Yeah. Um, and so I actually bought the website name like years before at play oh, even started yeah, yeah so this I had has been going for a while. right so I had this idea um I can remember we were um like in upstate New York at my husband's aunt's home and I was playing with my daughter Ellie and I started just drifting a little maybe during our play session and I started thinking about names for a practice and I came up with at play um and at the time we um uh our cousin her friend did website stuff and I said can you just secure the name for me just in case and so we were able to secure it years before I even started it so um, when I moved here I had the opportunity to just work at the schools but about 
two nights a week, I would see maybe a couple of clients at night. Yeah. Um, and so the practice started really small and it allowed me to have my full-time job, but then sort of dabble in private practice mm -hmm. a little. Um, and so it started in first our home office in our house. Yeah. Then it went to our garage where we converted part of the garage as a little sensory room. Okay. And then this past February, I moved to my offices in Solana Beach. Yeah, you have a beautiful space in yeah, Solana Beach. Yeah, thank you. So um, it's just sort of organically, it's grown organically, I would say. Um, it's a lot of word of mouth. Yeah. Um, and my vision for this practice was to really work with moms and dads and caregivers and work with schools um, I found that when we work collaboratively and everyone's on the same page and has an understanding of the child the child thrives and grows and and my goal is to get them out of OT I right. don't want them to stay with me forever as much as I love them right. um, I really want them to to sort of grow and be more independent which is really the the foundation of my profession it's to really promote independence yeah um and so i the idea was to keep the practice small so i could spend the time with families um i can take phone calls i can you know text parents or email them and and, and to really spend the time with with the family um and so i've really i sort of stayed committed to that vision yeah. um, because i can't it's hard to have a holistic approach when you're so busy with clients all day that you can't stop and, and have a conversation with a family and let them know what you're seeing and hear yeah. their observations. Um, I do a lot of emailing at night or texting with the family. Um, I try to capture some of the wonderful moments in our therapy session to share with parents like oh, cool. what they're doing. Um, and so I really, I feel like my family has grown. I say I have two children, but I think I have about 20 others that yeah, yeah. I really do take pride in and being with them and working with them. Um, and so that was really my vision for the practice. That's great. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to talk about, I know this isn't all you do, but I know it's a big part of, because it's in the name, but yeah. play is really important. You know, can you just share a little bit about why you think play is so important? So play is the occupation of a child. Yeah. It is what they're supposed to be doing. Um, it, it provides them, you know, enjoyment, amusement. And when they play, they are using their motor skills. They're using social interaction when they're playing with their peer. Um, and they're, you're, they're building strength. They're building, you know, endurance and agility. And you need all of those skills for your body to work the way you need it to work for yourself. Yeah. Um, I find that in our play session, while the child isn't aware of it, there's a lot of therapy going on. Yeah. And I have kids tell parents all the time, we're just playing games. And I tell parents that's good, that they don't actually know that we are doing therapy right. because then they wouldn't want to come here. Right, right, right. Um, and so it's really my, um, it's really the, the, the way you get to a child is, yeah. is by playing and engaging and interacting with them. And that's how we kind of build their skills. Um, and it's how they build their own skills. I mean, when we play, we have to problem solve. We right. have to use our imagination. We have to be creative. And that's why it's so important to play. Yeah. I want to make sure we're talking about like 
playing like outside yeah, or play. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, it's interesting, right? Because a lot yeah. of people are like, well, I play video a games. lot. I play video games. I play words with friends. Yeah. Or whatever, you know? uh, yeah. So we're talking about physically moving. Physically moving. Yeah. You know, outside or. And like touching stuff, tactile, engaging the senses. Totally. And and really, when we don't allow a child to do that, we're actually um, we're actually negatively impacting their sensory system. Actually, so you bring up a really great point. So when you think about a child playing outside, there's a little wind, there's the sunshine, there's you know the the grass they might be on or the sand. That's all sensory input that their bodies have to learn to take in and then develop adaptive adaptive responses with. So when we don't give them those opportunities, we end up with a child that has a really hard time processing all the the input around them and you have to think about where are they going next to school right it's bells are ringing kids are screaming you know there's constant um you know unpredictable movement around them so when they're little we really need to like engage them and be outside with them and and touch them and you know tickles and squeezes and throwing them up in the air all that stuff is really good for their system yeah yeah I that's used, that's great yeah keep going yeah i used to get really nervous when gabe would take the girls and kind of toss them but then I was thinking, oh, it's so good for their vestibular <laughs> system. <laughs> it's so good for their tactile system, yeah. right? That squeeze and that throw, that squeeze and that throw. Yeah. And so all of that is really, really, really good for, for little babies. And then on to, you know, their next stages of development, of yeah, course. Yeah, which they're, yeah, not getting from 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 screens and devices and not things like that. Not at yeah. all. Yeah. Not at all. It's, it's, a, it's a worry for me. I, I feel like they're... I don't want to use the word deprived, but I think there's a little sensory deprivation going yeah. on when, when we actually just use so much technology right. and so in screens, right. right? To entertain them. Yeah. Um, and the other concern is when we put something like that in front of them, the, the, the screen is now entertaining them and they aren't learning to entertain themselves, right? right? Which goes into self-regulation. Um, when we learn to self-regulate, if I'm playing a game with you and you get upset with me because I'm not behaving correctly or I'm Mm -hmm. doing something to annoy you, I'm going to have to correct my behavior. Maybe an adult has to intervene, but you're going to show me with your face, facial expression, you're not not happy, right? So I have to adjust. And so we don't learn that when we have a screen in front of us. We don't learn that to respond and to self self regulate and self correct. Yeah. Um, and that's a big concern for me. Um, and I, I see it sometimes even in the office when people are waiting for their appointments. Um, you know, they're using the screen to have the child wait. Yeah. Um, and and that's that bothers me a bit um, because we're teaching them to self soothe with the screen and right. not just to sort of have a conversation you know there's books there we can read together they can read um and so that's that's something that's a little disheartening sometimes to see yeah and it's it's such an interesting thing because you can see you know some of the the people we work with they're a bit older yeah you know older adolescents and young adults who you know you can see that when that pattern has been instilled from a really young age yes uh it's never developed the self-soothing you know so it so it 
the device as a clutch to get through difficult times right. or things get uncomfortable. And I think, you know, we all, adults do this too, you right. know, so it's not, so it's, but it's, it's a really interesting thing and right. I think that why the work you do is so important. Well, it's interesting because I, I, I don't see kids, I don't have any children in my practice right now that are beyond probably fifth grade. Yeah. And so it's interesting what you're seeing on the other end because, you know, I, I can, they come to me because the child's having a difficult time with, you know, processing sensory input. They yeah. come to me because of poor self-regulation. Um, and, you know, I try to be very mindful of everybody's family setup, right? Yeah. What works in my home may not work yeah, in your home. Sure. So I'm always really open and I, I try to, um, you know, have a conversation, right? Like, let's take a look at our usage and what are we modeling? Um, it's, you know, it's something I think we're all learning now with all the data that's coming out. We're, we're trying, we're, as parents, I think we're seeing, wait a minute, this this isn't probably the best tool yeah. <laughs> for my child at this age, right? Um, and that's that's just challenging. We're, we're all working and learning, th- I think, together. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What are some some tips you have maybe for parents listening who are alternatives to to kind of self-soothing with with a device some different ways to do it oh so you know it kind of really depends on the age of the child right i'll give you a little example though of something i recently saw and actually turned to my child and and we had like a conversation of what this parent could have done yeah we were in line at salt and straw waiting for ice cream when it first opened yeah. And we were really excited. It's a popular spot, right? Yeah. Popular yeah, spot, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And very interesting flavors. If okay. you ever yeah, got, yeah. like, there was some very interesting flavors got for it. Halloween. Yeah. And um, there was a little boy in a stroller in front of us. And he was getting impatient, waiting in line. Very normal. <laughs> yeah. I Very normal. Yeah. Um, and so parent took out the phone mm-hmm. and handed it to him in the stroller and he just was hooked. And I was so sad <laughs> because I thought, gosh, like if you pick him up and you talk to him, engage him with conversation, rub his back a little bit, maybe even like put him down and just take a little walk. Her mm-hmm. husband was with her so he could hold the place in line. Yeah, yeah. Just maybe walk him around a little because you want to teach patients. You want to teach them how to wait. Yeah. But not with that in their face. Right. And then when she went to take it away, I mean, you can only chaos. guess what happened. Chaos. Yeah. Yeah, Total yeah. chaos, right? Yeah. Because by design, it's made to hook you in. Yeah. And he's hooked. Yeah. And he's happy. And he's like, why are you taking this away from me? Yeah. And he's too little to really get it, right? right. For my kids that are a little bit bigger, um, that can understand their emotions a little bit better. Um, Jamie and I tackle this in our, in our, in our self-regulation workshop. We do it by color there. We talk about different colors and their emotions. And so we talk about deep breathing, um, some visualization. So just closing your eyes and counting to 10, trying to bring your body back down. 
being mindful and connected with themselves, right, in their yeah. own bodies. Um, we make things like glitter jars with them that they can take home and they can shake it up because we talk about how the brain, when we're so upset, it's like glitter, right? Everything's going crazy in our head. And so they can breathe and watch the glitter fall back down to the bottom as a, as a tool to help them kind of calm down. Um, and then we talk about those social skills and, and regulation. They go hand in hand. Yeah. So having flexibility in play um, to asking yourself, is this a big problem or a little problem? Um, and then sort of our reaction has to match the yeah. size of the problem, right. right? And so there are little tools like that that we teach the kids um, and, and sort of helping them develop better self-regulation skills. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, That's great. Fun. I appreciate you sharing yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, unstructured play and sort of, you know, we're all, I think, in this society kind of becoming more and more structured, For it sure. seems like, and as adults and also as kids. I think that's being reflected in kids are going from school to, you know, tutoring to soccer right. practice to whatever. And there's not a lot of unstructured time. So can you talk a little bit about the importance of unstructured play and what yes. we what you mean by that? So unstructured is completely child-led. Okay. <laughs> right? Scary. Structured no, 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 no. is yeah. a little scary. No, 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 no. Structured would be, right, adult-led, super organized. Like so, like a soccer game, like a formal... Like, like a formal soccer game, formal soccer. like a formal soccer practice. Yeah. And so when we're unstructured, we kind of develop this self-directed, like executive functioning skills, like where... I learned to problem solve. I learned to take the information I have and manipulate it. I learned to multitask. But it's all led by me. Yeah. So if we're constantly putting our children in structured situations where they're just told what to do, I hate this term, but I, I feel like it's almost like we, it's almost like institutionalizing you know yeah, like yeah. you're you're told like this is where you're going this is what you're doing and I will be the first to admit I worry sometimes about how much structure my own two children have I really I really try to consciously tell myself like wait they've had a lot this week like let's have some like time on the weekend to just sort of like do our own thing they yeah. need to be outside I really have to do that um it's a it's a battle I think for parents and and especially when you know, you're trying to prepare them for their future and get right. them set up. But at some point, we have to realize that we really need to work on balance with them and yeah. teaching them some balance. Yeah. And so that unstructured play, when it's child-led and child-organized or disorganized, yeah, yeah. they learn to kind of fall on their face a little bit, get a little scrape and fix it up on their own. And so we don't, when we are constantly packaging them into these little compartments they don't learn this stuff on their own they don't learn how to to problem solve um and un unstructured play gives us that time to create and imagine and i always try to think of like all these great musicians and artists mm -hmm. like they didn't get that way from structured time yeah, <laughs> right yeah, yeah, they yeah. were having an unstructured jam session and right. they came up with this amazing song like yeah. so you really it it it's sort of scary in the sense that it's sometimes just too much structure, too much, you go here and you do this. We need to allow them to develop their own executive functioning skills, and you do that through some unstructured time. Yeah. Yeah, and it's an unstructured really, play. Yeah, really interesting. And it's almost like it's paradoxical in the sense that 
you know, we want to give, you know, want to prepare them for a structured life sure. and to be engaged and to, to be organized and all that stuff. And I think the way they can develop a lot of those skills is with just yeah, them figuring it out. Sure, right? so, for yeah. sure. I um, read an email recently that a parent wrote to our school district and she wants the school district to just review their policies on smartphones Mm -hmm. and the term she used was a digital umbilical cord and I thought wow that's a perfect way to explain this because I can remember waiting after school my mom's running late it's getting dark I had to figure it out, right? So I had to self-soothe. If I was a little bit like nervous, I had to maybe go back into the school office, maybe call her, memorize that phone number, right? right? Right. Um, So I, I think about that, how, you know, it's almost like they have, it's too much access where it's not enough opportunity for them to sort of figure it out on their own. Um, I, a couple years ago started this thing with Ellie and Tessa where I said, you're going to have a 1980 summer. Go Mm. out and play and find your friends. Well, can you text their mom? And like, no, I want you to knock on the door. Knock, knock, knock. Right? There's some sensory. Yeah. And then use your voice and say, Mrs. So-and-so, can so-and-so play? Like, you need to ask, you know? And so I remember that summer getting messages or or text messages from other parents who were like, you know your kids are like on their electric razor scooters like all around this neighborhood right now. <laughs> I'm like, yes, they're having a 1980 summer, you know? That's um, I really wanted them to, and also just to feel confident and secure in their, their neighborhood. Like right. we have a great neighborhood full of kids and I wanted them to go out and play. And so um, it was my way of getting them out and they had to just kind of figure it out. No devices. Yeah. Um, they had to just work it out. And if they needed me, they had to find a phone <laughs> <laughs> or come back home. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, it's, you know, it's, I'm trying to give them those opportunities because I'm just sort of reflecting on my own childhood and, and thinking about what I did and how I played and how important it was for my own development. So. Yeah, yeah. that's huge. I love that. And I, I'm thinking about, you know, I think we're seeing more and more of this or less and less children roaming around playing. That's like, you know, when you were talking about that, that's how it was when I was young. We just, for me, it was going to the beach and we just figured out out a way to get down there, hang out. There's all this unstructured time or kind of roaming the, whatever, the neighborhood. Right. And I, I, I think about kids today, you know, we don't have kids, but I, but I've just heard this anecdotally from parents a lot Mm -hmm. that, you know, so much of the hangout time is digital Mm -hmm. or virtual rather that it's. It must be hard for the for kids these days to to maybe not have that neighborhood, but it's cool to hear that. Right. This is an example of like taking it back to the, yeah, the to, good old days. Yeah, seriously, I literally would tell them I and and then they, they thought I was born in like the 1950s. I'm like, no, like <laughs> you have your math wrong. Like, yeah, yeah. But it's 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 it was such a nice way for them to just get out and learn just like how to cross the street like you know there's just simple things that they really need to know for life and so it was a really nice way and I and I felt I I knew there were a few parents on board with with my idea so I certainly would send them sort of that way um and then they'd all kind of meet up at the school and play on the playground there and and I loved it they would be out for hours it was wonderful right until they had to go to their next structured activity (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. You gotta get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta get to swim lessons. Right, right. right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, did you find a lot of? It sounds like you had a crew that was on board. Parent, other parents sure. that were on board. Did you did you have much pushback from parents who were like, well, it's you know, it's too dangerous, or what about the, you know, what if they get abducted, or like any any of that, or or not so much. Not so much from I think my group of friend parent friends that I sort of live around I knew that there were a few parents that probably wouldn't be comfortable with the kids going out and playing on their own and so I certainly didn't even let the kids entertain that I just sort of said hey you know I know this mom is okay with her kids going out for a bike ride like why don't you check in and see if they're home right now um and and not to just because it like I said it takes what works for my family isn't going to always work for yours. So no judgment, but more just, I wanted to make sure my girls were going to get that experience. So I, what I was trying to avoid is another mom following them around. (laughs) So I was sending them to the houses where I knew the parent was okay. Sort of, free range in it for the afternoon, you know? So, um, and, and from that, the girls would come home. They would, they're just so happy. And, and, and then I'd find, you know, a group of kids in the cul-de-sac next to our home or out on the big field, you know, they had a baseball game going, so they were just working it out. And it yeah. was so nice to see that. And, you know, they might come in the house and get a drink of water, but I think that's part of what's so lovely about having children is a bunch of other children roaming through your house too and getting snacks and grabbing, you know, some balls and going out to play. Yeah. Like I think it's part of growing up. So yeah, I the really community aspect of it. Exactly. Yeah. So I wanted I want my girls to have that. Right. You know, it's really important to me. Yeah. yeah. That's so great and refreshing because I you know, we I talk to young folks who, you know, sadly a lot almost all of their uh community or their friends is virtual you know it's via it's via you know they game and they're you know people in different you know they live far apart and it's all virtual and so i mean it seems fun and they're like there's engagement there but totally different than than what you're talking about here i think you know um i think it was you know dr jean twangy i think some of her research even showed like they're less risky right like they're not taking the risk that we took yeah um yeah, and safest generation. Safest ever. generation, but yet, you know, it, it's you need to. I feel like part of that development and growing up as a teenager was is taking risk. Yeah. And for girls, especially, taking risk is part of building confidence. Yeah. Um. And you know, we've we've read like the confidence code for girls to both of you know Ellie and both Ellie and Tessa. And, you know, I want them to take risk in life. I don't want them to be scared of, you know, of kind of go, putting themselves out there and, and taking a chance, you yeah. know. So um, I really feel that part of sending them out and doing that unstructured play is taking risk. I'm sure they were doing things they didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's part of growing yeah, up, yeah, right? Sure, that's part of sure. it. That's part of natural and healthy development, yeah, really. Right. I don't want to know every every single yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's okay. What was that, the code of, what was the thing? Oh, was, it's called the Confidence Code for Girls. Okay. Um, I think there's a confidence code. It's was maybe for adult women and then I think they created a book for girls okay um so we have the the book for got it and it's actually it touches a lot on um like situations that have to do with like cyberbullying oh, okay. and so it, it kind of it's like there's quizzes and it's a very interactive book so good to read with your child got it okay yeah, I'll check it sure. out yeah yeah cool I want to um I wanted to ask you about you know what you what you found to be working well in terms of 
managing tech use with your family or like what's worked well and what's what have been some challenges if you don't mind talking about that sure and knowing that right not a, not one there's no one size fits all for this that you know figure out what works for your family but it's always helpful it's helpful to yeah. hear yeah so our i would say our screen time policies have evolved and developed as our children have yeah when they were little I had a sort of Monday through Friday, no screen, really no TV at that age. They were they were tiny. Um, and it wasn't really to keep them off TV. It wasn't like, oh, I don't want them watching it. I really had this moment where Ellie came home from kindergarten and Tess was about three, two or three. And Tessa was so excited to see her sister. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to play and she's tugging at Ellie. And Ellie has on a TV show, and she's literally just spaced out. Yeah. And I looked in. over, and I thought, oh, I don't want this, you know? I, I want yeah. them to play together. Yeah. Um, and so I set them down, and, you know, this is when they were like, yes, mommy, yay, mommy, you know? Anything mommy said was a go. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I said, you know, let's try. When we come home, we won't turn on the TV. We'll turn on some music. You guys can play bring your toys out of the playroom, you, you know, just play, you yeah. know? And so it sort of stuck until Ellie got to, I would say, maybe fifth grade, where she had to start, like, blogging online uh -huh. and doing stuff on the computer more. Right. So then, obviously, our policy had to change yeah. because she needed it for school. Um, and so the screen time has definitely increased as she's hit middle school yeah for sure and our biggest i would say uh, our biggest issue right now mm -hmm. is the fact that she doesn't have a smartphone oh, uh, she's in seventh grade she's 13 years old um i couldn't be more proud of the young lady she's developing into she's yeah. amazing um and it has nothing to do with her her character and everything to do with the research that I that I read that her father reads yeah I guess what we've done to sort of help you know kind of meet in the middle is we gave her an iPad because um, she needed it for school for they do everything online now yeah, I mean, yeah, nothing's yeah. pencil yeah. paper um, sadly says the OT <laughs> so um, so everything's online now for her and so we had to give her something to get her schoolwork done and it has text messaging on it. Okay. Um, so she gets, you know, a limited time to text message Monday through Friday. Um, and on Saturday and Sunday, she gets a little bit more time to text with friends. Um, and that's her, that's for Ellie. Yeah. Tessa has no device. And um, she has to use the computer for school to do some math. But she maybe uses it every other day yeah um we the the tv policy well this year tessa told us that she kind of likes watching a show at night <laughs> <laughs> because she's had such a big day yeah so we found that um we were all watching the good place together so okay. as a family we're watching the show and we'll talk about it we'll make predictions on what's going to happen yeah, in the next yeah, episode yeah. um we try not to watch more than one episode 
though we have. Yeah, yeah. But I was trying to keep it like, well, when I was a kid, you had to kind of wait and oh, sort right, of for right, the right. next. Like so, for the, re- the, the new episode. Exactly. The next week. So, so we usually sit down about once a week and watch this show together. Um, so it's adjusted a little bit. I mean, I've had to sort of adjust yeah. to, and I, I want to hear my kids, you know, that's part of connecting with them right. and not just shutting it down, but saying, okay, like I hear you. Um, but also keeping in mind that we love sitting down and playing a game of sequence with them and that can go on forever. Yeah. You know, um, we love playing rummy cubes. So really sticking to, our values and, and our family time being about engagement and yeah. not really about looking at a screen. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, we've we've had to be flexible yeah, and, and be sure. moderate, right? Yeah. I want to teach them moderation. Yeah, so that's great. so I'm doing the best I can, but it's it's so hard. I mean, believe me, the conversation about Ellie getting a smartphone, mm. I mean, at least twice a week, we are having some sort of conversation. Yeah. Um, and she really feels like she deserves it. And we are constantly reminding her it's not about that. Um, but I think as a family, we have to be ready for it. Yeah. Um, and we have to figure out what are, what are the guidelines here. Once we do give you this piece of technology... What is it going to look like in yeah. our home, right? Yeah. So that's wonderful. I mean, yeah. it sounds like yeah, you know, not like totally off, you right? Know, but, but but yeah, being moderate and doing what works for your family right. and and reevaluating it, totally, which, is, which makes a ton of sense. The iPad, I think, has been a nice way to sort of like segue into right, right. Um, she doesn't carry it around, and what I like about it is. You know, it lets her just shut down because I think that's part of my um, concern is when you have that little thing with you, you're always on, you know, unless you're physically shutting, powering down. Yeah. Um, And I want her to enjoy her childhood and her teenage years and and not be so sucked in Mm -hmm. and and so I think the iPad provides her that opportunity to socialize and and feel like she's in the know because that's important at this age but it's not with her all the time so that's the nice thing about it's not in her back pocket so that's great that's great yeah um I wanted to to ask just a little bit about nature and we talked about this in the, in yeah the meeting, but, um you know what are how does nature play a role in you know your personal like you know self-care or your world uh you know what are some activities you like to do in nature and how does it play a role so i do get out and run yeah, yeah. a couple times a week um and i have to say this is my favorite time of year in san diego when it's really chilly in the morning oh yeah i love that cold air in the morning nice, when you're yeah. on a run it is the best um and so i would say that you know we as a family really try to get out go on walks together um i get like i said i get out and run we like to bike together um, and so I would say my nature, my relationship with nature is, is really using it for some good family time and yeah. to really leave the phones at home yeah. and shut them down and, and really disconnect and just be outside of our house, um, and be outside of the office really. Um, when I had my home office, I was across the street from this easement and I had this big green space. So I would oftentimes take
like hula hoops and tents and tunnels out there with clients and we would play and have sessions outside mm, that's um and while my new office space is beautiful i don't really have that yeah. um we get out in the courtyard sometimes and the kids like the water feature at the fountain okay not yeah. sure if the property manager loves that <laughs> but um but you know i i really do try to to get out as much as possible i mean it's one of the reasons why we moved to southern california was to get out of some of that new york cold right. and to be outdoors as much as possible every day of the year for sure yeah that's great um i, we, I think we've talked about like a lot of like wonderful takeaways for mm-hmm. our listeners and i just wanted to see if there's anything else like any other tips you have for families to just live well in the digital age yeah um i think it really begins with the parent or the caregiver in the home really really evaluating honestly their own usage and how that might look to a child um i think there was a recent study about i think parents might look at their kids 20 just 20 minutes more than what they when when then looking at their phone or something like that i saw the headline i didn't read that but I, i saw that yeah so you know, that made me really sad. Um, but I really think it starts with that. Like just, okay, what are we doing as adults here and how are we modeling our usage to our kids? Um, I really try to disconnect every day and and I have two phones. So I have one for the office and one for my personal life. Um, I really try to shut it down. Um, and just sort of be present in the house. And that really sometimes means shutting the phone down, not just putting it on silent, shutting it down. Um, and so I'm not distracted by the ringing or the lights blinking or whatever. Um, and just sort of just being present. Um, and I feel that when we're in that space, um, you feel really good actually. Um, we were at a swim meet with our kids recently and, I took my husband's phone and I took my phone and I said, we're all here. I'm just going to put them in the backpack for the day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we played games while we were waiting for Ellie to swim and, and Tessa sort of ran around with another little girl. And at the end of the day, he looked at me. He's like, thank you. Oh, like, yeah. thank you for doing that. Yeah. You know, um, he's like, it, it is nice to not to not to be in the screen, you know, Um, and I, I do, I really think we feel better, you know, we feel good. And I think it's because we have our sensory needs met. Um, you know, we've connected with people, maybe taken some time for ourselves. Even I think it feels really good to not have that smartphone or screen with you all the time. Um, and so I would say that, you know, parents should just, you know, look at their usage, really disconnect, really try to put it away and just be mindful and present mm-hmm. because our kids need that. They, yeah. they need attention. These little things need so much attention yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they love it. They yeah. love it. They love seeing eye contact. Um, they love hearing your voice. So I would say put it away for yeah. sure. Um, and I would say, you know, when it comes to the self-soothing, you know, let's not reach for that smartphone right away let's let's talk to our kids about what they're feeling what are those big emotions how can we help them um because as parents we have so much power we really like can help our children and and make them feel safe and make them feel comforted and we have that power in our voice and our and our hugs and and so we don't we we don't need that 
to help our kid. Really, we can do all of that right. for sure. So those would be my my takeaways. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's not going to be re- that stuff's not going to be replaced it's, by an app. Exactly yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. not going to be replaced by the hug app or hug whatever's app. out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Parents, download the hug app. Yeah. You'll be set. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I love it. Um, hold on one second. Oh yeah. Okay. So I wanted to just before we wrap it up, sure. I want you to share again. I, I I'll link this in the show notes, but. Um, a little bit more about our app play. Where can people find out more about you and like anything oh. and the work you're doing? So, um, I think the website's the best. Cool. Um, it has like, you know, if we're doing any kind of current workshops, um, the, and the, the website is, Oh, it's www.playot.com. At playot. Uh huh. And, um, I also have an Instagram page. It's at playot Inc. Um, and so I'll post tips for parents or post games that are really good for specific skills. Um, sometimes you might see a kiddo in there that I work with, that I work with, um, you know, enjoying some sort of activity we've set up. So I'm on, um, Instagram and I don't post all the time, but it's frequent. I keep it updated as much as I can. (laughs) Yeah. You're providing wonderful resources and you have a newsletter, right? I do have a newsletter. Um, if you actually go online and connect with me via my like, let's connect tab, um, that'll sort of link you in and you'll get updated newsletters. So once a month I send out a newsletter. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jonty, thanks so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure. I could talk about play all day. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank so, you. Yeah. So thanks for listening to the Nature Unplugged podcast. Um, you can find our episodes on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, basically all the podcast platforms. Uh, please take a moment to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. That helps us very much. And... Um, Check out www.natureunplugged.com for more information and resources. And we will catch you next time. Bye. If you think you should go, I will let you go.